Hello and welcome to Out and About in Malovians. I'm your host, Jeremy Barfer. As part of my job as Member of the Scottish Parliament, I get to travel around Malovians, meeting interesting people and hearing about how the companies, charities and projects they work for benefit and contribute to our community. On this podcast, I share their stories. On today's episode, I'm excited to be talking to Bill Farnsworth, Chief Executive of the Musselburgh Rich Course. So Bill, we're at Musselburgh Race Course. Um, tell us a wee bit about its history, how long it's been here, why did we end up in Musselburgh? So horse racing came to Musselburgh in 1816. It was previously staged down on uh, Leith Sands, along with the golf down there. Um, but it was moved to Musselburgh because after the races, um, all the racegoers used to walk up Leith Walk into the uh, city centre and there was a lot of drunkenness, quite a lot of fighting and a lot of prostitutes plied their trade and the great and good of Edinburgh didn't like this so it was shipped down to Musselburgh which is why there is a race course at Musselburgh and it's been here for over 200 years. And presumably racing has changed over the last 200 years, it's a, a different experience you'd have had then compared to today. For those of us that have never been racing, what is it? What's the experience you get when you come here? Fundamentally, it probably hasn't changed that much, actually. People come to the races. Um, they they like It's a very social occasion. You get big crowds. So a lot of it is about seeing other people um, and just interacting and having fun with other people at the races. And it's an excuse for a lot of people to get together. And everybody moves around. It's not like a football stadium where you're stuck in the same place. Um, and essentially, you watch you watch the racing. Most people would like to have a, a bet. Um, people who come racing aren't, often aren't your, your big gamblers. They're just what we would call sort of um, social gamblers. So they'll have a bet on the horses. They'll watch the race. After the race, they'll probably go for a drink, retire to one of the picnic tables, one of the bars have a drink, have a chat with their friends, and then when the next race is on, they do it all over again, and there's seven races, most race days, and um, I imagine that's what it was like 200 years ago as well. It's 200 years ago, they did get very big crowds because there was very little entertainment for the public, and I think a lot of the public back in those days had um, pretty miserable lives, really. They, they didn't have much money, and there wasn't a lot to do, and they worked very hard, so... So day at the races was the real highlight. So if the old pictures, some of the old pictures that we have show huge crowds at Musselburgh Racecourse, um, you know, filling the golf course in the middle as well, which doesn't happen nowadays. So we've probably all seen Royal Ascot, where you've got your nice hats and you've got your posh outfits. Is that true? Do, do I have to dress up to come? Who's the average person that comes horse racing nowadays to Musselburgh? So it changes over the years, actually, Jeremy. The, if, when I first came here over 20 years ago, Musselburgh was a, a midweek race course and the crowds weren't particularly big. And the, most of the clientele who came racing were, were generally older men who liked to have a pint and a bet. And the, and the dress was very informal, you know, a lot of jeans, um, just what you'd wear to go to the pub. But that's changed in the last 20 years. So people have seen Royal Ascot on TV. You know, men like to dress up a lot more now, take a lot more care in their appearance. 
and the ladies love to get dressed up as well. So nowadays, on our big race days, and we probably have about half a dozen big race days every year out of the 27 race days that we stage, you know, people go to a real effort to dress up. Um, but it's up to everybody. I mean, you can come on any day in the year and you will see groups of people who've made quite an effort to get dressed up. But equally, some people just want to go and sit on a picnic table in their jeans and T-shirts and eat an ice cream and have a pint. So it's very relaxed, very informal. It depends on whatever you want to do. I think Ladies' Day would still be your biggest day, would it be, at the races? And... Just tell us a bit about Ladies' Day and how that's developed again over the last few years. So Ladies' Day has been a sellout at Musselburgh for more than 10 years. Um, there's no doubt it is the biggest and best social, you know, social race day in Scotland. Um, it's probably one of the biggest social events in Scotland. Um, and it's, um, yeah, the ladies really do get dressed. I mean, they really get dressed up. And as someone described it this year, it's it's like being at a crazy wedding where everybody's dressed up but they're outside at the races with thousands of other people so um and that kind of sums it up really but as i said you know the all the gentlemen dress up as well so ladies day is is very similar to royal ascot very very similar indeed um and it's fabulous day it's it's probably a day where it's more about the fashion and the socializing than even the other days um, but having said that, when you get a sellout crowd, you know, they do like to have a bet and they do like to have, you know, have a, a good old shout at the at the jockeys and the horses. So from a more purest racing individual, what's a good race day car to come and see? And is it jumps and flat or are you a one track horse? No, no, we're jump racing in the winter and flat racing in the summer. So we race all year round. From a purist point of view, well, we've, we've got... We've got quite a menu, really. We've got, um, on the jump side, you've got uh, our Cheltenham Festival trials. So Cheltenham Festival in March is the Olympics of jump racing. So it's the best jump racing fixture in the world. And, uh, you know, it's 60,000 people every day for four days down in the Cotswolds. And a huge number of Irish come over for that. Um, and we have a Cheltenham Trials fixture, which takes place about six weeks before that. So it's called the Scottish Cheltenham Trials. So it's um, any horses in the north of the country that think they've got a crack at going to the Cheltenham Festival, you know, will will have in their planning a trip to Musselburgh at the beginning of February. So you see some seriously nice horses. We also get the Irish trainers and the southern trainers sending horses up to Musselburgh. Because we're next to the coast and we're on sand, we, we're very free draining, so the ground is never too soft here. So sometimes in a very wet winter, um, not all the horses like the ground really soft. So they'll send their horses that want, we call it faster ground, to Musselburgh. And then six weeks later, you'll see them at Cheltenham. And then a month after Cheltenham, it's the Grand National Festival at Aintree. So you get to see some really top quality horses. And then on the flat, we have Easter Saturday, where Musselburgh is the main fixture on terrestrial television. So we're the main fixture on ITV, and the feature race is the Queen's Cup, which is a £100,000 race. And that race was um, approved and introduced following the Queen's visit in 2016 to celebrate our bicentenary year. And she specifically asked for it to be of a certain distance and a certain type of race. And it's the Queen's Cup, and it's 
it's a very good high quality race and then we also have for the real racing enthusiasts we have the edinburgh cup race day which is on derby day at the beginning of june the first saturday in june every year and the edinburgh cup is another very good quality race probably the best quality race that we stage at musselburgh and often the horses that do well in on that day and particularly in that race you will see at royal ascot about two weeks later so a lot of what musselburgh does we're not royal ascot we're not we're not the top of the pyramid but what we do is we act as a feeder into those bigger race days okay now i i, I think from discussions we've had before just tell us a bit about who owns the race course how does it work who are you associated with so the race course is common goodland so and that would that goes back to right back to the time when racing was first staged here in 1816 and it was established back then when they moved the races to Musselburgh that racing and golf would always take place on Musselburgh links so it's it's locked down it can't ever change which is a great thing it means it protects the race course and the golf course um, so and that's so the actual ground is effectively owned by the people of Musselburgh and we pay an annual rent every year and that goes into the common good fund which is then used for good causes in and around Musselburgh so we pay about £50,000 a year rent to the common good the the council the local authority administer the common good fund and but they the council also own the buildings so we also then, on top of the ground rent, we pay a building rent to East Lothian Council. And the total rent for the year is £200,000. And we're actually part of a small group of racecourses that is, uh, it's called the Chester Race Company. And it includes Chester Racecourse, not surprisingly, Bangor Racecourse, which is in Wales and just 20 minutes away from Chester, and Musselburgh in Scotland. So this little group has a race course in England, Wales and Scotland. Um, we effectively operate independently within that group, um, but that's that's the structure that we operate within. Okay. That's helpful. And again, uh, for my limited knowledge of uh, horse racing, horses aren't cheap to keep. No. And I think, I think there's been a change again within it in the last, say, 15 years that consortiums now own horses. And is that a growing mm. trend that maybe a group of friends say we'll buy in and win a horse yeah so um so in the old days it was called the sport of kings because it was very much started by the aristocracy and it was the aristocrats racing their horses against each other and seeing who had the fastest horse and having a bet on the outcome um it remained that way for a long long time and there's no doubt that the you know wealthy people and aristocrats still own racehorses so so that still exists today but what has happened in recent very recent years is that um people have got together syndicates so groups of people and these syndicates can be as many as two thousand people or 20 people and you join a syndicate and it vastly reduces the cost of being involved in a racehorse and it's a great way to get into racing because you can be a member of a syndicate with 2,000 other people and it costs you a few hundred pounds a year, but you get to go on stable visits, you get free entry to the races, and whilst you're never realistically going to make any money out of it unless you're very, very lucky, um, it, it does give you a, a much better experience when you come to the race courses as an owner. 
And of course, you've got all these benefits of going to visit the racing yards, which are, the racing yards are often in spectacular places because they're rural and beautiful places. And it's a lovely way to go and spend a morning watching racehorses going up the gallops. And are there many racehorses kept in Scotland or do most of them have their um, premises south of England? So there's the, there's the well-established training establishments. So Newmarket being the biggest one. I think there's about 3,000 horses trained in Newmarket. Um, Lambourne is another. Um, Moulton is a, quite a big training establishment. And so is Midland in North Yorkshire. And then in Scotland, we have, I think we have about 15 to 20 individual racehorse trainers. But we don't really have a, a training centre. They're scattered all over Scotland. Um, and but yeah, there is a lot of racehorses trained in Scotland. I don't know the exact number, but there's um, there'll be half a dozen trainers with nearly a hundred horses in their yard, and and getting more and more successful actually. Scottish Scottish racing has had its ups and downs. It probably went into a real trough in the in the nineteen late nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, when Lanark Racecourse was closed down and Bogside was closed down. But since then, there's been a very steady, gradual improvement. And today, we've got Lucinda Russell, who trains um, north of the Firth of Forth. And, you know, she sent out a Cheltenham Festival winner last year. She sent out a Grand National winner. And we have Jim Goldie, who trains on the flat uh, north of Glasgow. And, you know, he's a very successful flat trainer, sending out... Um, you know, he always has big winners in the big races at Goodwood and York every year. So, um, so you know, Scottish racing is is punching probably well above its weight at the moment, and uh, yeah, doing very well. Covid's hopefully a distant memory, um, but it's obviously still around with us. You didn't completely close. You you were able to keep going in some way during Covid. Yeah, so we, we closed down initially when everybody went into lockdown on the 20th of March. And we um, we were losing, at that time, we were losing £120,000 a month. So it was pretty um, pretty scary time, um, sort of April, May. And we, we started racing at the end of June behind closed doors. And nobody really knew if we could make it pay nobody really knew but what we knew was that there was a lot of horses in their stables and it was better to get the industry going again even if we couldn't make any money doing it so we got going again but surprisingly um it did pay because thanks to the government we a lot of the staff were on furlough so we massively reduced the overhead um the council you know we got uh, business rates relief so we got all the overheads down we got racing again so whilst the income was nowhere near as big as it normally would be neither were our costs so we actually were able to make a small profit on those race days and basically just keep our heads above water but most importantly keep the industry going keep people in jobs so that when we did get racing again with spectators we had horses we had stable staff we had an industry that was ready to go so it was you know, a lot of hard work, but really thanks to the government for keeping, enabling us to keep keep going. And as you look into your crystal ball, you know, you said, I mean, slightly jokingly, that it's probably not that different from 1816, the experience you get. Mm. I, I mean, I think it's probably a lot more comfortable today than it was probably in 1816. Where do you think racing is going to go in the next 5, 10, 
15 years. Do you think you'll see major changes, any changes, or is it a pretty conservative with a small C sport? Um, it stands the test of time, does horse racing. So, so that's one thing I think we should take comfort from. It's, it's been through wars. It's been through everything as horse racing. And, you know, Muscle has been here for more than 200 years. So it's had its ups and downs, but it, it keeps going. So I think that's quite reassuring. But the, the challenges we face are significant, like any business at the moment. Um, I think the headwinds that we face are, there's a, I think the, the population, society is becoming more and more detached from animals, from, and particularly horses. Because if you go back, you know, 100 years, the horse was still a big part of society. Whereas nowadays, very, very few people actually understand horses. So I think there's a part of society that struggles with racing horses for entertainment. Um, we we know that thoroughbreds love to gallop. If you put if you put you know, half a dozen thoroughbred foals in a field, they will literally gallop round and round, racing each other. They just love to gallop. So it's kind of in their instinct. And racehorses are treated, you know, absolutely superbly. They cost a lot of money. Um, their their care is absolutely fantastic so i think we do a fantastic job on horse on the welfare of the horse but having said that there are people that simply don't understand it and don't like it so that's something we need to deal with um we've got opinions on gambling you know there is more is it more people or there's certainly people out there who've got a voice who don't like gambling but this is nothing new you know the reason that muscle racing was moved to Musselburgh because there were people in Edinburgh that didn't they thought a day at the races was too much fun so they moved it they didn't want it so these things you know have a habit of just coming around we've just got to deal with them um, and you know I think I think betting on horses is is actually quite a safe thing because it's intelligent betting it's not like betting on a roulette wheel or something like that which doesn't it's just a game of luck Horse racing is isn't like that. Um, it's it's a bit more um, it's a bit more intelligent, and just the way it's the way it's done doesn't. I don't think people do get hooked on gambling when they come for a day at the races. So so, but we've got to deal with all these things, and you know, governments come and governments go, and different governments have different opinions and bring in legislation that we've got to deal with. Um, in terms of people going racing. Um, I'd be pretty positive it's it's you know they've been doing it for hundreds of years and the attraction still remains and the attendances today are as strong as they ever have been so uh, yeah I think as long as we continue to invest in the race course provide good facilities provide good service I actually think it's quite a unique experience particularly in this era of everything being virtual the day at the races is real you know it's real people real horses real sportsmen real action and it's it's very accessible you pay your 20 pounds for a midweek day and you come in and you have a full day at the races it's and it's it's quite affordable as well so um so yeah pretty confident about the future with regards to musclebrush specifically I'm, i am very confident because we have some really exciting development plans which will take musclebrush up to another level and being on the edge of edinburgh and i'm you know, I see Edinburgh, I know it didn't look very pretty during the festival with the litter and everything, but it's still an exciting city. And I still think Edinburgh's 
got a fantastic future ahead of it. You know, you see the development going on. So, and we're right on the edge of it. So I think we have a lot, a lot in our favour. And um, yeah, I'm very excited about the future. I've been here 20 years. I think we'll see more changes at Musselburgh in the next 20 years than we have in the last 20 years. And Musselburgh has probably been one of the most in, improving race courses in the last 20 years because we've been on quite, quite a journey. Uh, we've had our problems with the ownership, which has, mm. which has helped us and hindered us at times. But I think, and I think we've, but we have come a long way in that 20 years. But I think the next 20 years, you know, I think we're like the football team that, you know, everyone's heard of, but we're not really in the big league. And then suddenly we're in the big league. And I do, I honestly think that Musselburgh is going to be right up there. We'll never be as big as Royal Ascot. We'll never be as big as York. But I think we'll be um, we'll be sitting in just below them. So in football terms, we're not we're not in the top six, but we're we're probably just below it. Okay, brilliant. Let me finish with my final question, my usual question. I'm giving you the magic wand. Couple of things. One thing that would make Musselburgh even better. Well, we have uh, we've developed during COVID. We spent a lot of time. We've developed a. Um, um, an improvement plan, and it's it would cost about five million pounds. It would absolutely transform Musselburgh. Um, I think it would make it an unbelievable visitor experience. We're not talking about building buildings. It's quite innovative. It's just about changing what we've got and being quite creative. And I think w it would be almost a first amongst what has happened on any race course. And I would love to see. I'd love. I'd love it if we can be bold enough to do it because I honestly think it would change Musselburgh Racecourse for the next 20, 50 years. And I think it would bring a huge amount of enjoyment to a lot of people. Thank you. Thank you. It was great to hear from Bill. It's been interesting to hear about the excitement of racing and the benefit it brings to the local economy. We'll put the link to their website in the show notes and you can go to it if you want to find out more. Thank you for listening to Out and About in Melorians and I look forward to catching you next time.